One Shining Podcast is headed to North Carolina for a live show in Durham at the Carolina Theater before Carolina Duke play on Saturday. The show will be March 8th at 8 p.m. Tickets are available at carolinatheater.org as well as via the link in the episode description. Again, we will be live in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater of Durham on Friday, March 8th at 8 p.m. And you can get your tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, it is a manic Monday with Kyle Mann, and we are talking about the good, the bag, and the ugly in college basketball. And in case you couldn't put it together, the good is Calipari's replacements, the bag is Rick Pitino's whiteout, and the ugly is the Filipowski court storm. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. A lot of people are talking about court storms. It has been a big issue, a big talking point. Um, it's also something that I want to point out before we get into it is that John Shire, I mean, he could have taken his starters off the floor with uh, about a half a second left, but that's a conversation we'll have on a different day. Court storming is something that college basketball is uh, is something that we've been a part of for, as a tradition for a long time. We're going to get into the nuances of it, but it's going to be a fun show. It's not going to be a referendum where uh, we decide what should be done. We're just going to riff through it. And uh, the good news is that Cal Filipowski, by all accounts, is healthy. So it is a uh, prayer hands, thoughts and prayers kind of moment. So we're happy about that. But we're going to we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun show. going to be a jam packed show. Kyle's fired up because Rick Pitino got a win. Uh, Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? I can't wait. I'm so informed as I am now a subscriber <laughs> to the L.A. Times and the New York Post. Let's yes. go, Johnny's. Give them L. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the time out. Welcome to One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, February 26th. And guess what, folks? It is a manic, jam-packed Monday with Kyle Mann. Kyle Mann, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, how are you doing on this Monday morning? And how excited are you to talk about the Wildcats? Because uh, it's going to be a deep conversation about Kentucky today. Yeah, man. We never talk about Kentucky, right? I never <laughs> have anything to say about them. I try to like not you know wear people out with it, but they've just kind of... I think the fact... Kentucky's always relevant, kind of in the same way that Duke and Carolina, a lot of the Blue Bloods, you, the even blue if bloods. they're doing badly, we're going to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, they had an interesting weekend. It was a jam-packed weekend full of full of hoops, man, more than more than you could shake a stick at. So let's let's do it. Full of narratives, full of storylines, full full of people shaking their fists at the sky saying, why, why, why? Kyle Filipowski, uh, probably the personification of the why to the sky. We will talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's talk about the good. Um, and the good is Calipari's replacements. We remember about two weeks ago, John Calipari was canned. He was done. And everyone was looking, who is the next coach at Kentucky? And a lot of names were thrown out there. I threw out Scott Drew. We talked through some po potential, uh, you know, future candidates there in Lexington, Kentucky. But the three that came up from the SEC faithful, Chris Beard, 
Bruce Pearl, Nate Oates. And guess what John Calipari has done in the past 14 days, folks? He has beaten all three of the men who wanted to take his job, potentially. And uh, that is why the good guys this week are the Calipari replacements in Kentucky. Nate Oates basically said that he found something for Kentucky, uh, a really good offensive group. So, so good, in fact, Kyle, man, that some people are calling it the death lineup for Kentucky, the nuclear five. I saw um, Kyle, Kyle said the nuclear five. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see a lot of names that are being thrown out, but uh, in case you missed it, Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, Antonio Reeves, Justin Edwards at the small ball four, and Big Z at the five. That is, uh, they scored 28 points in six minutes, so that says something about this group. Your thoughts uh, on the nickname and where Kentucky basketball is right now on this Monday morning? All right, let's go line by line here. Okay, so recently, the, the, cow, the sort of my my broader feeling here is that like I've had some griping my direction saying that I'm negative. I'm not going to act like <laughs> I'm not like a pessimistic, cynical person by nature. I, I I tend to sort of like be skeptical of everyone. If I meet mm. them, I'm kind of like, I don't know. This is just sort of my <laughs> posture as a person. I'll just right. be like, eh, something's going on. I'm not as... I'm slower to sort of warm up to people sometimes. I'm like, what's going on with them? You're not you know, a too good to thing. be true guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of like, if some, there's probably something going on. That's usually just how I am in general. But I'm a, a positive, you know, happy person. Anyway, mm. so we're, we're talking about the Cats. It's been a frustrating year. So we've had a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth between uh, sort of just the, the sunshine pumping of like just forgetting what has happened lately over the course <laughs> of the year. And I, and I know that... There's there are people in the media that you can just go and I don't even have to say who it is, but there are people who just kind of carry water for this or that subject. And you can figure that out on your own. If you go and look this straw man horseshit tweet thing that you're talking about where they were saying like, whoa, the cow, all these people said they wanted these. <laughs> if you're following Kentucky basketball at all and you have any familiarity with the with the, the administration at Kentucky, you knew that Kentucky was never going to hire Bruce Pearl. There's the show cause thing. I don't even think that Mitch Barnhart likes Bruce Pearl. Then you yeah. get the Nate Oates thing. There's the P you and I have talked about it on this show, the PR disaster of last season. Maybe he, he is, who knows if he ever gets a blue blooded job. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. All and, three uh, of those guys have black marks like yes, on the resumes, right? It's not going to happen. So like, mm -hmm. and, and then people were just kind of crowing and being like, well, you don't hear anything about this. Let me just say something, guys. Like Kentucky played really well. Let's start with that box. They played awesome. Oates was also kind of slyly insulting his team when he made the comment about the lineups because Alabama can't guard for shit. Did you guys watch that game? Like, mm -hmm. it was the worst matchup imaginable for Alabama. They can't guard the ball. They don't have a rim protector. Kentucky shot extremely well. Give them a lot of credit. The fact that Zavonimir was able to be out there without it punishing them says something. I love Z. He's amazing. He's the most talented big that they have. But they laid waste to them because Alabama is just... They can't guard anybody. So I just, I got a little worn out with that. The other thing is I was complaining about the uh, the starting lineup. Now there's some like base, I got some like sourced sort of like intel on this. I complain, I had to like take a breath. I got so worked up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a blue blood feelings. Okay, so like the starting lineup, he's been starting DJ Antonio Reeves, Duthiero, Justin Edwards, and you go, and I spatially start to get a headache with the DJ's just not been shooting the ball well. He's a good player, but you the pairings just don't work when you have that many lineup options. So DJ, Thierro, and you go on the floor together. Edwards had a good day. Give him credit. That lineup was 0.79 on O and 1.84 on D in two minutes and 19 seconds, and they were trailing. So 
at 7.41, and I tweeted out and complained that I'm beyond sick of it. I had a couple NBA people text me directly and say, you know that's part of the arrangement. That's why he keeps doing it. So there's no yeah, base so we, in basketball. We, yeah, yeah. We, all know, we all know what's happening, right? This is a handshake deal, right? Yeah, I, and so just like don't, don't the, there were a lot of people clapping at me and being like, uh, "Well, they're up seventeen. You know why they're up seventeen, guys? Because Cal immediately subbed in the guys that were like he had this lineup going on crazy. So just don't clap that, don't clap that shit at me. Like Cal, <laughs> I just don't understand. And I was saying, I'm 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 trying to like not take this as total fool's gold. They played really well. They were trying to run them off the three point line. There were a lot of layups, things like that. Good win, good for them. They played super well. One step at a time. Let's not just completely forget about the style. Like, let's see them beat, like, if they can beat Tennessee on the road, a half-court kind of grinded out game. So I'm just kind of of two minds about it. I'm, I'm a little sick of the crowing that's going on. Because Cal, this is what they've done all year, man. They beat the crap out of Miami. They come back and lose to UNC Wilmington. They beat <laughs> Auburn on the road. Incredible win. Cal comes out. Big parade. Like, nobody thought I could coach. Blah, 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 right. blah. They come out and they lose to LSU on the road. Like, we've seen them do this. So... Quit with the crowing, all right? Let's just take it a step at a time. Like, I just, I, I'm, that's the part that was really, had me just sort of annoyed. And I, I was feeling mouthy on Saturday, Tate. I gotta, I gotta be honest. Sometimes you have to be a little bit mouthy, but I mean, I think the good news is that Justin Edwards finally got some confidence, right? That was my big takeaway from this game. Justin Edwards, 10 for 10, 28 points, four for four from the three-point line, which I thought was pretty incredible. And then after the game, you got Reed Shepard doing the the great teammate move. I mean, the ultimate good guy move. Reed Shepard is asking him questions, and it comes out that they kind of, you know, it helped each other with their mental health. Reed had helped him talk to like a mental health coach. So Justin Edwards, I've kind of felt the worst about this entire year because this guy went from projecting the number one pick to now people are saying, I'm not sure he can even play in the NBA. So there was a, a, a lot of like relief. Uh, I felt like in this game for Justin Edwards. So it was the Justin Edwards game. I like him at the small ball four. I think you're right. We can't take this and say, okay, the season has uh, changed in this, you know, dramatic fashion because we've seen it go. It's a roller coaster. That's what it's been the entire year. Every single time we get high, it goes down and it goes south really, really quickly. So th that is the problem. That has been the frustration. Um, I don't like the victory laps from Cal. Um, it does seem like every single time that he does get on that top of the mountain again. He can't help he it. Is, He's got to he be like, help guess it. what? Mother? Like, he just can't <laughs> help himself. And I want to add to Alabama is like 350th in the country in like block and steal. They call it Hakeem percentage. They're yeah. way down there, guys. They don't guard anybody. Rylan Griffin, I don't even know if he knew Kentucky was on the floor. That's how, how like, zoned out he was. Like, they were just, it, it was just bad. Like, so I, I, I would just kind of be cautious. Be happy, but be cautious. Just quit with the victory laps. Let's just see what happens. That's where I am. Yeah, and I think uh, I hopefully that's where the team is. I saw Big Z talking about like you know every they're reading all the detractors and the naysayers and the haters and they're answering um, the bell here. I just feel like at some level, I remember Cal Cal last year took their phones away for one game and then they played great and uh, you know and then he was like I might need to do this again. Maybe they put him he in does. a hotel. He put yeah, him in a right. hotel room. They, yeah, just they like finished the boy. They finished the conference season well last year, lest we forget. So just. Again, all things in 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 stride. So let's. This seems so talented, man. Like you see when they got it going. Like Edwards played great. You said it. Like they, they all around. They played an awesome game. So uh, Bama turned the ball over a lot. It was it was just. I don't know. It was it was a heck of a. It, there were some wild moments in that game too. I, I thought like just Z hitting threes and the behind the right. back like pass to the cutter that he threw. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just taking it slowly.
it felt like an NBA game. I mean, 117 points. Obviously, they outscored pretty much everyone in the NBA on Saturday night. So that says a lot about the Kentucky offense. But the Kentucky offense has never been a question. It has always been the defensive side of the ball. And they happen to play a team who is just as bad, maybe even worse defensively. I think they're so, worse. I think yeah, they're decidedly yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like kind of the, the, the best kind of matchup for what Calipari wanted to spew out. And you mentioned it, Nate Oates basically was taking credit for the lineup that they found in this game. He was basically like, I helped Calipari find something, which is, uh, I guess, the ultimate good guy move. He's like, I'm helping Kentucky be a better team. So uh, Nate Oates. Uh, well, he, Bruce- yeah, he was like, my team sucks so much, I helped Cal, basically, <laughs> yeah, which I thought right. was hilarious because he did it in his Nate Oates deadpan way. He was just like, well, I think I helped it. You know, uh, anyway, yeah, those two have a funny rivalry because I know mm-hmm. Oates kind of, you know, feels like Cal has been a little bit behind the behind the curve in terms of like evolving the what he does. But uh, yeah, that 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 quote really made me laugh. From they are threats on the doorstep of what Calipari preaches. You know what I mean? Chris Beard, obviously. But like we said, they all have some sort of reason why they wouldn't actually fit there. But just, you know, from the outside looking in, people say, well, these are three of the best coaches around and they're all in the SEC and they understand the SEC and Kentucky's the premier job in the SEC. So why would they not reach out to these guys? And uh, it's not really one to one. It's not really a fit. It's not really a pair. No. Whatever you want to call it. But uh, it was good for Kentucky. I was happy, like I said, for Justin Edwards. Uh, Reed Shepard, good teammate. Um, I think that helps him when we look at the future. Um, And I was actually looking at draft boards. Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham are pretty much the consensus first two guys off the board from college. Maybe Cody Williams is is thrown in there in some places. But um, those two guys are fascinating. I like Rob Dillingham. I, I, I'm starting to fall kind of in love with Rob Dillingham. He's my favorite player on the team. Um, Reed, when he doesn't have to be a scorer, is, is so much more fun when he can facilitate. So I like the nuclear lineup. I like the death lineup. I don't know if they need another nickname for it. Um, hopefully they continue to play like they did in this game, and maybe they des- maybe they will earn a nickname. But um, I don't know. I keep going back to 2012, Kyle, man. I feel like all these stats and things keep le- le- leading me back to the 2012 year. And uh, I, I think Carolina and Kentucky could be on a collision course. I think you they think may so? see each other again. Yeah. Which I, wait, which stats are making you think of 2012 with this group? Because that's sort of uh, that's not, that's a wild take for this. No, group. no, no. Not just the <laughs> just like the the game of college basketball. Like everything mm, keeps like mm. funneling back. Like this is the first time this has happened since 2012 or something. Like perfect example. Like personally, Carolina first time they win at Virginia since 2012. You know what I mean? Like. It's not like necessarily the teams themselves fit, but like it's 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 going back to that year. So um, I, I feel like Kentucky could make a run. That's all I'm saying. And I, I feel like the vibes are good. So uh, we'll we'll leave it there. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We know how the roller coaster goes. But there you go. The good guys, Calipari's replacements, get them out of the way. They've been knocked out. Now let's talk about the bag. Rick Pitino's white out. Um, Rick Pitino. Before the whiteout event against Creighton, which was a, a big upset for St. John's, in case you missed it, um, Rick Pitino went to Armani right down the street from his apartment, and he bought a brand new white suit. His wife pushed him to do this. Uh, he said he couldn't fit into his old white suit. So there was a chance before this game that Rick Pitino was not going to pull out the white suit, which is like his Batman suit, which is a little bit shocking. He goes down to Armani. The tailor says, my day's over. Um, I, I can't do it for you, Rick. He says, I sweetened the pot for him. The guy tailors the suit. He gets the suit on, and the rest is history. Rick Pitino, uh, this St. John's team, 24 assists, three turnovers. After the game, Rick, Rick Pitino says, this is the closest group I've had since Providence. 
And, and then was following up what he said when he called out his entire team for not being able to move laterally. He said, I was trying to rattle their cage a little bit to get them to play like this tonight. So it was a grand master plan. Rick Pitino, bad guy of the week. Uh, your thoughts on the whiteout and just Rick Pitino being able to masterfully play this yet again. Everything I'd said it last week. Every I even had some more conversations this week with people just to kind of continue this this uh, investigative uh, pursuit that I have to hear about what it is like to to work for Rick and to play for Rick and this just lines up, man. I mean, it's like living in a, it's like living in a cage with a cobra that you know just might bite you for no reason at some point. You like <laughs> you're motivated to move at that point. Um, I w- I was curious. I wanted to take a, a a step back just for a second, and and he he said he. You know, I went back and looked. He famously in 2008 broke it out against that Georgetown team that was good. That was in like the, you know, the me- the meaty, huge Big East days that were. Yeah, those, those are good times. Those are good it, times. It, it was a Karnasek, a sweater type of moment where he was like trying to send like, this is what I wear. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I'm a man on fire. <laughs> Phyllis is on the broadcast, you know, <laughs> talking like Ricardo Montalban, if I remember correctly. Did yeah. he, do you remember? You remember, I have a memory of that. Um, yeah, but, it's a great time. Yeah. And uh but I'm curious where he said uh, he said he didn't fit into it. I'm just kind of like, what do we think waist size? I'd imagine Rick seems like a like a 32 type guy. Like he's he's mm. got. I don't know. I'm just saying, what what do we think he's up to? He doesn't. What where where is it not fitting? Is what I'm curious. Rick carrying a little COVID weight around. I don't. It's, he doesn't. He doesn't show weight that that much, right? I don't know. I, he he might have a little bit of like a pasta belly. You know what I mean? Like he's just like going to all these Italian restaurants in New York, and like you know he's at Res Door, and they're giving him like this amazing pasta. He's drinking a little bit more wine than he used to. He's kind of celebrating a little bit. It was a 32. Now it's a 36. You know what I mean? And his wife's like, we need we need to pull it out. Um, you know, we've all been there. Like you said, the, the, the COVID weight's a real thing. So I think Rick was just like, man, the suit just doesn't look the same. I'm not feeling the confidence in the suit. But shout out to that Taylor who was willing to to take the extra the extra bag drop from our guy, Rick Pitino. Um, and then you got Glenn Taylor after the game. He said, quote, we know he had to win when he came out with the white suit. And then Dennis Jenkins, uh, he, he said, yeah, you can't lose when you see him in the white suit. So, I mean, the, the impact that it had on his actual team is incredible. I mean, I feel like these guys are too young to even remember the OG Rick Pitino days, the 2008, 2010. Uh, he whipped it out, you know, when Carolina played at Louisville a few, you know, now I guess like seven years ago at this point. But um, it is a staple. It's impressive that they knew it was a staple and they responded the right way. Um, Bobby Bacala in the building to support Patino. Uh, you got, you got Sean Stellato, uh, you know, Tommy DeVito's agent who is uh, in the Italian hall of fame, which I didn't even know existed until he told us that earlier in the that hall. Exists? That, that exists. That exists. There is an Italian hall of fame. He is in it somehow. There's Sal an olive very, oil fountain at the front. Yeah. <laughs> Sal was very upset about this. He was like, I know a lot of Italians who should be in this hall of fame that did not know it existed. So I, I, <laughs> I think it's very controversial, but he is in the hall of fame. Uh, Bobby Bacala, I mean, obviously a famous Knicks fan, so it was good to see him at a St. John's game. And if you look at the the next you the final three regular season games for St. John's at Butler, at DePaul, and Georgetown, so two out of three they should definitely win. If they can win at Butler, that's a bubble showdown. I, I'm starting to talk myself into the idea that Rick Pitino should be in the tournament if he can win out. I mean, am I crazy to feel that way? Am I just well, drinking the Kool Aid? Yeah, I was. I was trying to. No, I don't think so. I mean, like. It, I, I was I had written down in my notes just as an aside here that uh, I was like, well, is he gonna 
the, how special is the white suit? I had it written down. I had to circle <laughs> back and reword it because in my notes, I wrote, when is Patino going to fire the next white bullet? And I thought I mm. uh, probably should reword that. Uh, <laughs> but I, is, is it going to be, are the stakes high enough for him to break it back out again? You know, I don't know if he would risk it because Hurley would, you know, I don't, I don't know if he would risk. Creighton was a good spot to use to fire the white bullet, I feel like. I don't know. Does he need to? Let's say if they get in the conference championship, is he gonna in the tournament championship? Is he gonna? Is he gonna break it out again? Just how how infrequent is this? How, what what necessitates breaking out the white suit again? Well, I think the good news is that well, one of the rules of the white suit is I feel like it has to be a home game, right? You can't do it at a That's neutral true. site. And That's the good true. news is that the NCAA tournament selection committee has said that the Big East tournament in MSG is considered home games for St. John's. They are the home team. They are not neutral games. So basically, the entire Big East tournament is a home game for Rick Pitino and St. John's. Um, and I think if he uses that framework for his for himself, he can convince himself that the white suit is necessary. And maybe he goes on like a Patrick Ewing Big East Tournament Championship run that just nobody thought was possible. But the old Big East gods, angels in the outfield are just carrying him to a title because we need to see him in March. And I mean, it, th to get a quad one win, basically, they're going to have to beat a UConn, Marquette or Creighton in the tournament because they're treated as home games. So maybe they can beat Creighton again. It could happen. Um, it could happen. Yeah, right. Right. And, and maybe UConn gets tripped up by somebody on the way, like a Seton Hall or something like that, where it just the bracket breaks uh, for Bobby Bacala and, uh, you know, Rick Pitino got, uh, and all the uh, St. John's fans. Yeah, we got we got like the spirit of Dave Gavitt out there, like right. moving Chris Ledlam's hips left and right. You know, I think this is like a Disney movie. This is the Disney Plus, at least <laughs> like straight yeah. to Disney Plus. I could see this working. I think Rob Lowe is Rick Patino. I, I do. I do think. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think, dude, it's well, I, I've already shot the Jeremy Allen White <laughs> bullet, but I, I mean, he would be he's too jacked, though. But Patino would be like, yeah, that's the guy. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah Rick Patino's like, I've always loved Rob Lowe's work. I, I think he's one of the best actors in the game. <laughs> Rob Lowe is Polinka, I feel like, in the inevitable LeBron movie. Yeah. Hit us with who should play Petito in the movie. Yeah, I've already... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I called I, my good friend George Clooney, and I asked him if he would play <laughs> me in the movie. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that'll happen, but uh, Rick Petito deserves a movie. Also, uh, as far as the wacky year, I had to put this for Creighton's sake. Um, only two D1 teams this century have defeated an AP number one team by 15-plus points, only to lose to an unranked team by 10-plus points the next game. Nebraska this year after beating Purdue, they lost to Iowa. Creighton this year after beating UConn, they lose to St. John's. So, uh, and that was brought to you by OptaStats. I uh, I had never heard of OptaStats, but shout out to them for the note. Um, so this is a really wacky year um, as far as upsets um, in general. So I just thought like uh, Creighton is the perfect example of like where we are in college basketball and like the the roller coaster that Kentucky's on. I feel like everybody has their variations of that same roller coaster roller coaster this year for whatever yeah. reason. Kyle sent that was Kyle. Did you send that graphic that you did you pull it off the TV? What was the uh, the parody graphic that we were talking about in the thread? Yeah, that was during the St. John's game. I think they were I think they were on our side just to say. But uh, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> they were just. Uh, do you have it? I could pull it up. It was a it was a ridiculous number. Let um, me pull it up. You sent it in our group text because we. Uh, oh, here we go. I got it. You got it. Go for it. 131 unranked teams this season have defeated ranked teams. It's tied for the second most since the 95-96 season. 47 unranked teams defeated top 10 ranked teams. That's the third most since 95-96. And a 0.763 win percentage by ranked versus unranked opponents. Lowest in the last 10 seasons. Those are some three, those are three stats. And then Tate just replied, all caps, parody. 
<laughs> well, that's uh, that's what everybody wants. All the commentators in college basketball, that's what they want to say every single year. They want to say parody. Um, and then most people spell it the other way and they say parody. Uh, this is a mm. joke. Why are you guys doing this? Uh, we don't want to hear this. There's obviously a, a group of teams that are better than everybody else, usually eight to 12 teams that are actually in contention for the national championship. I think this year is probably similar, but the variance of these upsets is shocking. And it is also because the portal, it is also because talent is kind of getting evened out across the landscape. So, um, you know, there's things you can point to, but uh, parity is the easiest point to make. And uh, right now, Rick Pitino, um, there's a chance it could break his way. And uh, St. John's, a, a perennial top 25 team at the start of the season, could end up in the NCAA tournament. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the things. We've done the good. We've done the bag. Now let's do the ugly. Um, the Filipowski court storm. Uh, this has become a topic of conversation. It is everywhere. Kyle Filipowski himself tweeted after the court storm. He said, quote, this got a change, uh, dot, 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 and a nice ellipsis moment to basically say, like, what is going to happen now? Um, before we get to the Filipowski part of this, I just want to say some nice things about Wake Forest because uh, Duke has done a great job deflecting what oh, actually yeah. happened in this basketball game. Smear. So first and, first and foremost, Wake the Nation, tie-dye is back. Uh, Deeks get their signature win on Saturday. Joe Lenardi moves them into the last four in. Shout out to Joe Lenardi, a bigger man to finally do that. Um, they literally, Hunter Salas said he was in first-person shooter mode. Um, shout out to J. Cole uh, for having the Demon Deacons reference earlier in the year. So now you got Chet Holmgren tweeting, quote, welcome to the league, Hunter Salas. And in case you missed it, so Hunter Salas in this game, 29 points on 13 shots. Um, I mean, 44% from three. It just was an incredible performance. And Wake Forest gets a huge win. And now let's talk about the real story. Uh, so Wake Forest, kudos to you. Shout out to you. Needed the win. Steve Forbes is great in the post game. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, <laughs> the court storm. Um, after the storming happened, Seth Greenberg went on TV directly after and said, quote, Wake Forest dropped the ball. You have to have a plan in place to make sure these players get off the court safely. Shame on you. Um, Jay Billis, he followed it up and said it's got to stop. It's not going to, but it's got to. There's no appetite in college basketball to stop it. The SEC has a rule against it, but the institutions are happy to pay the fine because they like the visual. And the truth is we in the media like the visual too. Um, your thoughts, generally speaking, on court storming, and then we can get to the nuance of uh, of Kyle Filipowski. Like, are you one of these people that's like, we have to get rid of court storming? Because I, I did not know that there are this many people that are, are ready to to bang, uh, you know, the gavel down and say we need to get rid of it. Uh, it seems like that's a prevailing narrative right now. Um, I like the visual like everybody else. It's fun when it's a big party. But like, we, you know, you and I talked about this at length earlier. I don't know, maybe a month or so ago. We were just talking with about Matt how, Painter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Caitlin thing. And um, my thing, I, I just w watching what happened to Filipowski specifically, you know, I know the the tape was getting sort of broken down. It became the Sapruder <laughs> film. You know, we were going, you know, frame by frame and trying to figure out, did he stick his foot out to trip the guy that was coming? <laughs> We got the overhead angle we were watching. Did he extend himself? I generally just uh, speaking to like the Filipowski part of this at first. Um, I don't if, if you come down on the on the floor, I lean in the direction of the player has a little bit more has a little bit more leeway to be aggressive to protect themselves in their right. space. And the, the other thing is, you know, he he extends his arm. You can see he kind of knocks knees with somebody. Yeah. You're laughing already. I The thing about it that, like, for me is we, we're seeing this overhead angle. We see it from, like, the wide angle. What we didn't see was 
the the POV over the shoulder angle from Filipowski, and he probably felt you. I don't know if you've ever seen a mass of people coming at you like that. I haven't. I'm just saying that. But, you know, I'd imagine he felt like Jon Snow at the Battle of the Bastards. He probably in that moment thought these Wake Forest people are bastards. So that probably clocks and tracks with him. They're coming towards him. I don't blame him for being a little bit extra. He sees that mass of bodies. I didn't really have a problem with what Filipowski did. The kid runs that close to him and clearly says something. He said it was personal. I mean, of course it was personal. They hate you, dude. You play for Duke. Of course it was personal. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of lean in the direction of like I didn't have a problem really with what Filipowski did because I think you gotta you gotta guard your yard when you're in a situation like that. Or you're gonna get freaking trampled, man. And you get shoved in the back too. Um I feel like this the court storming though is kind of a separate thing. Like it doesn't ha- it only happens here because student because of the student factor. It doesn't everybody's like, well, it doesn't happen in pro sports because the students, that's that's who's storming the court. So I don't really know, you know, in terms of like protocol, how you stop it. You can, you could beef up security and stop it if they wanted to. I think, do we agree on that? I feel like we probably do. Did you, yeah, did you I'm, see Jay Bill's suggestion? What did he yeah, say? I, I probably saw it and forgot. What <laughs> he was says, it? all these institutions say we're happy to pay the fine. They're happy to pay the fine for that visual. You hear administrators say, look, it's too difficult. It's problematic to stop fans from rushing the court. Well, they don't have to stop them. All they have to do is don't let them off the court. You can ring the court. There's law enforcement there. Detain everyone. Give them either criminal <laughs> citations or arrest them. And it all stops tomorrow. But they don't want to do it. They like it. So just arrest everyone in the state. Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa. That that was, uh, that was. I did not think it was going to go there. But look, I have the court storming fees. For, so for the SEC, for the first offense, is 100000 For the second offense, is 250000 Third offense, 500000 That seems like a, a hefty fine that nobody wants to pay. So that's why the SEC is on top of it. Pac-12, 25000 First offense, then fifty, then a hundred. Big 12, uh, 25000 Big East, 5000 Big 10, no fines until the third offense. ACC, they have no fines. So the ACC has basically said it's open season. And so I looked this up. Shout out to Brett Strilo, who is uh, used to be a, a beat reporter for Fayetteville Observer, but now works for Appalachian State. But um, since 1996, 58 of Duke's 80 road losses, the court has been stormed. Oh. 72% of the time, the court has Crazy. been stormed against Duke. So since 1996 to 2022, 73% of the time, Duke has had the court storm. So it's not like this is... Uh, foreign territory. It's not like this is something new. Also, there were much more hateable players at Duke that got stormed uh, outside of Cal Filipowski, right? So there's plenty of other guys that I think would have gotten uh, punched in the face or, you know, attacked or whatever if that were the intent of most people when they stormed the court. I really personally do not think that is what this student was trying to do. I don't think he was running towards the court well, to yeah. say, I want to run into Cal Filipowski. Same with the Caitlin Clark. Like that girl was filming herself trying to be like, I'm a part of this moment. And yes, it was narcissistic probably that's probably the best way to look at it but then she runs into caitlin clark and now she's a villain like i don't think either one of these kids are villains wait 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 uh, so wait are you are you on the filipowski side or not because you we kind of ebbed and flowed in, in real time i remember where did you end up landing did you have a problem when, with when, what I, when I saw it live i was like filipowski pushed this kid uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie like when i saw it live i saw his arms extend and uh, this is even before before the over the head angle when i saw it live i said oh my god he's frustrated and he just hit a kid and then I saw him like look injured and I was like, oh my God, he may have injured himself in the whole process. 
Now I work it back and I say, I don't really care to argue the logistics or the slow motion. Did he's extend his arm? Like, I, I don't really care to do that. The reality is they shouldn't be on the court yet. There should be like, I saw some people talking about a shot clock. Like that would be hilarious if they just put like 30 seconds on the shot clock and then you can storm the court. Because, the gates open like a horse race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then people are just like going crazy. It's like frantic. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Like in reality, let's just think about it. But what Creighton did against UConn, I think is the perfect example. Like security basically created a lane for the team to get out and in the tunnel and they basically blocked off that part of the court and the storm was on the other side of the security guards you know what I yeah. mean it was kind of like a flawless way to set it up and Matt Painter has had the perfect take on this which is basically like just have a plan for this for the for the players and the team to get off the court and we're all good because it is fun in college basketball we want students to be able to enjoy themselves I've stormed the court when North Carolina beat Duke in 2010 to win the regular season I stormed the court. It was awesome. Or I've stormed in football. And it was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, it's always the teams right. who are trying to climb. I mean, but I yeah. just yeah. It, if you if you watch Phil, the Filipowski part of it in in real time, like not in slow motion, it's extremely fast. That's what's hilarious. Yes. Is everybody was like breaking it down <laughs> frame by frame and reading into all these nuanced parts. What does it mean? What does it mm. mean? You know, like every little did he mean this? Did he mean that? You know, and then when you actually play it, it's just like it's like watching a hundred frames of a stop motion thing. You're like, that was nothing. Like, I don't and, know. And so. whoever you are and your own bias going into, it's like uh, the blue and uh, the blue dress and the gold dress, you know, it's like whatever you see, you see, you know what I mean? So I, I think like people going into that, I already, I already have my bias view. I think that Duke's, I think what Duke does when they lose is deflect and play the victim. That is who they are. Like, that's just, and, and if there is a, like, if that's my point of view going into it, I'm going to say, Oh, they're deflecting to the fact they just lost, lost the Wake Forest. Now they can play the victim. But that's my own bias. I understand that. So I'm not going to argue and say, like, I looked at the film. Kyle Filipowski definitely pushed this kid. That, that's just not worth my time. I would just say he should never be in that position. Let's give it a beat. Let's get him off the court. Let's get our starters safe. And Shire had every right to be upset like he was. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I thought it was a little dramatic, like the run over and everything. Well, but I wanted to he had every you. right. Yeah. I mean, uh, a couple of right. Duke talking points. The first one, <laughs> I want to ask you two, a two-parter here. Do, did you see John Shire's forced laugh that he did whenever he was talking about Wake Forest. Yes. Did you see this? That was a can <laughs> that was a can line. He practiced that in front of the mirror. He was like, he was like, uh, Wake Forest should already be in. Uh, he goes, that was oh, nice. should they be in? <laughs> he did this just like <laughs> incredible. He was so worked up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the second part. Kay Josh, would like that. Is uh, it, what what did you say? I'm sorry. I said Kay would like that. Like oh, the, the fake like that, that was a good that was a good K line. Yeah. I don't know if Kay's ever laughed, done that kind of a laugh. I would love <laughs> to see. He's done a it. fake laugh. Yeah, my, he's uh, tried. <laughs> my second question is uh, is Shire hateable enough? I don't think he is, man. It's kind of this, a bummer. This was I, the first. Uh, this was the first step. I felt like this is like uh, when Kylo Ren like killed his first guy in, in Star <laughs> Wars. You know what I mean? Like I don't the, know about equate those two. Wait, you're, his this fake was laugh the first, with this Kylo is the, Ren no, killing? No, 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 not the fake laugh. The oh. the saying that court storming should be banned. You know what I mean? This is I a mean, very Coach K take. Like this is. It, young John Shire should be like what Matt Painter and what Shaka Smart and all these guys have said, which is basically like, I love the passion. You have to, you have to, you have to kind of endear yourself well, he to the college Philipowski basketball fan. He was hurt in that moment, so I'm sure he had a hard time getting to that place in his well, mind. Well, well, he's he thought that his ankle was hurt. Filipowski says his knee was hurt. Uh, my sources have told me there was no MRI done, so it doesn't sound like much of anything was hurt. I think feelings may have been hurt. Feelings um, were hurt. 
Yeah. Feelings were hurt. Uh, but I, I think that there are some people that see him call out court storming and they're like, that's a part of the game. And like, that's, that's not like, that's a, that's a bad, that's a bad guy take. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's not something that people want to embrace. And people are, are very particular about like the purity of court storming. In fact, I saw this video of Larry Bird from the Celtics when they, there was a court storm Celtics won, they stormed the court and Larry Bird literally mows people down to get off the court, <laughs> literally runs people over, punching people, elbowing people like the whole, the whole nine. And I was thinking to myself, like that, Cal, Cal Filipowski, like if he did that, I mean, it almost would be okay because like you said, I mean, he is the the talent on the floor. He should be protected and he has the right to protect himself. So that's why I'm not going to get in the weeds and be like, he's in the wrong. He's this, he's that. I mean, the whole thing should be avoided. There shouldn't be that kind of personal contact. I don't know when the NBA got rid of court storms, by the way. Like it, it, I, I asked Bill if he ever stormed a court and he was like, no. That's not a that's not a thing in the NBA. But then I watched his Larry Bird thing. I'm like, it was at one point. Like there were people storming, and Larry Bird probably murdered five of them on the way out. Those people are dead. Yeah, there were police reports in there, and they were those cases were thrown out because it was it was Boston. (laughs) No judge will no jury will convict him. It's moved Uh, on. Let's quickly on on the actual Duke game. Like uh, I got to say something about Jeremy Roach. Do you worry at all about? You know, we're in like what year four of this. There were more than one. Mo- there was more than one moment down the stretch of that game where Roach, I felt like, just went off the rails and kind of did the 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 hold up, guys. Don't worry, I got this moment. Yeah, and went into the lane and made just kind of made. It's, I'm just kind of like, are we ever gonna uh, Duke through a zone at like four twenty six to go? Immediately gave up a three. How much should we trust? trust this team like in terms of you, you ideally would have Proctor take over do they do they have like a hierarchy problem this far into the season about who's closing these games or do they have you know it feels like it might be a little crowded because at least with Roach on that 2022 team it was like there's right. an opening here for a for a guard to come in and sort of balance what we're doing but it feels like they got a little bit of a like you know, who, who is, who's the QB kind of a thing going on for their, when they're game closing right now. Yeah. Wake Forest is not a good team, late game execution. Um, and Duke out like performed them with their disastrous late game execution in this game, that Proctor pass to Filipowski. I mean, that, I think that was, that, that was just terrible. All that was around. Mitchell really, wasn't it? Mitchell was running along it, with that play. And I was like, why is he over there? Like, yeah, just kinda, Mitchell yeah. was like trailing Proctor behind him. And then I honestly, maybe the pass was for Mitchell uh, just because he like picked up his dribble. and was like, oh shit kind of moment. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. regardless, that whole situation, like I would say typically, I guess Proctor's the guy you'd want the ball in his hands. But I, I keep going back to Jared McCain. I just think he, I think he's the sure handed person. Um, I think he's the guy that I trust the most to get a good basket or to find somebody or to create something that transition, like three that he's got going is one of the most deadly shots. I mean, it's almost like a Steph, like it feels like it's worth more than three points when he hits it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like devastating. So I keep going back to McCain, uh, in late game situations. I feel like it's Roach and McCain depending on the game, but I feel I as a North Carolina person looking at it, if I see Jared McCain with the basketball late in the game, I'm much more worried about that than I am if Proctor has the ball or if, or if Roach has the ball. I mean, and I think that's that says enough about who should probably have the ball in their hand. You mentioned the transition three now, 39 attempts, but he's shooting 59% in transition from three, which that's is crazy. insanity. Yeah, but you, that's the test that you just said is they're like, how do I feel when that person has it? Let Roach play off the catch. He just seems like yeah. a way more scoring-minded guy. Like, 
makes sense. You got McCain. McCain can do both. Proctor is a little bit more hesitant, probably shoots better stationary than moving um, when, he, when he shoots well at all. It makes more sense to me to balance the thing having him at the one. Um, so I, I, I assume they're going to get there. But Foster's really- <laughs> the odd man out. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I think they've kind of figured that out at this point. It's really those three guards. It's Roach, Proctor, and McCain. And I think slowly but surely we're all figuring out. And McCain himself is figuring out. I, I saw during the game, he was talking about how he's gotten to be more present in the game. Like he's not thinking about other things. And you can kind of see like he is very, the, the anticipation is there. He's very like, reactive in, in a very, I don't even know. Like I can just kind of see his wheel spinning in real time where I'm like, it's slowing down for him and it's scary. And he's a really, really good player. And the more I look at guys like on these draft boards, I'm like, I would take Jared McCain over him. <laughs> and he's kind of hiding in plain sight. I mean, yeah. we're go we're going by like, you know, a lot of times people make these judgments based on sort of like, you know, putting their thumb to the wind and listening to draft pundits talk and things like that. Teams may feel differently. I've yet to sort of like, ask around and get a feel for that. I will soon, but like, um, yeah, he's, he seems like somebody that's hiding in plain sight with sort of a modern skill set that can do the balance of the two things that we're talking about, shoot it and create. And I, I feel like at least they have those options, you know, it'd be better. It'd be, be better than to be in a situation where you didn't. It's just kind of a matter of like it balancing out. So it's, it's a good problem. Ultimately, you just want to see it. And they're young too, you know, other than Roach, that was the part of it that was so like, yeah, I was just like, God, Roach, are we still doing this, man? It's just kind of, he's he's just sort of a score-first-minded guy who can kind of get you in bad situations sometimes. Yeah, shout-out to McCain. One last thing on this game. I want to give Steve Forbes his credit. Uh, he called out Joe Lenardi in the press conference, but he actually didn't call out Joe Lenardi. He basically was just like... Um, Everybody keeps saying that he's calling out Joe Lenardi, but he's like, I want this man to get paid. I understand the game. Um, I understand, you know, he's getting paid for his opinions on this, but uh, he basically brought up a tweet from a, a cup last year. Joe Lenardi said the ACC is the best college basketball conference ever, but it's nowhere close to that right now. It's the last three players of the year. Moses Wright, Alanis Williams, Isaiah Wong. Before the pandemic, Malcolm Brogdon, Marvin Bagley, Zion Williamson. Um, and basically his whole point was you're forgetting the fact that Paolo Bencaro lost the player of the year to Alanis Williams. So Paolo Bencaro, one of the best players, just literally just hit a game winner the other night for the Magic. One of the best players in the NBA. Scotty Barnes, all-star, just given the keys to the Toronto Raptors, also uh, lost to Moses Wright <laughs> to be the ACC player of the year. So um, these are really good players. So like that whole argument that Joe Lenardi's putting out there, that there's like worse players in the ACC. We're just talking about Jared McCain. Hunter Salas is going to be an NBA guy. Like there's talent in there. So like this whole... It's kind of like a, a circular argument that it just mm-hmm. goes nowhere. And then uh, he called out the field of 68 for uh, saying that he doesn't believe in bracketology. He never said that. So I just like that. Like, not only did he win this game, he addresses the the Filipowski thing. It's like, it's unfortunate, but, it you know, basically we're here to talk about the game. And then he's like, sidebar, these people are misquoting me. I actually am not mad at you, Joe Lenardi. Let's end the beef. Uh, the ACC has good players. I'm going to defend the ACC. So it was a big it was a big win for Steve Forbes. Um, <laughs> And the ACC at well, large on the Saturday, uh, was, minus uh, minus the the Filipowski angle. You also, know I mean? they that's have a that. bunch of coaches that happen to be black, which is just great for the ACC. Did you see well, that? Well, <laughs> that that's that's been uh, that was brought up to me by a lot of people. Apparently, uh, the coaches in the ACC they they had a lot to do with that because they basically are like, "Why are you trying to say like it's shocking that we have this many black coaches? That it's it is basically one to one with the the percentages of black players in the league, so it shouldn't be." a revelation or shocking so that was what that headline came from by the way so i 
it definitely doesn't read like it should, you know, it kind of is like, what? It's like, what? But like, (laughs) I get that once I heard the back, I reached out about this and this is what I was told was the background behind it, uh, that it's like, it should be an expectation, not like a revelation, which I, uh, I, I get, but the headline did not, did not d- define God it that damn, way. Damn, I mean, it's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. People don't forget that screenshot lives forever. We, we're, in yeah. a, we're in an age of no context. And yeah, uh, uh, crazy. Big win for no, no context college basketball. Yeah, that was, context uh, for old men. Yeah, yeah that, that um, was a hit. That was a big God, one. Well, you you made another good. Uh, it is it is weird to go in on a conference on the basis of the player of the year because it's just, it doesn't really, I don't know. Like, it, it's just, a, it's rife. It's just sort of like, problems like that, that yeah, it's that like just, what, it's what a, a hater what a hater move <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just a weird angle to take you also pointed something out on steve forbes your tweet about like the parallels between that steve clifford steve kerr and right. the steve Forbes. <laughs> that just the the parallels there were really incredible of course we didn't get a big wtf from uh steve forbes i didn't, maybe we did and i missed it but uh it was nah. a great weekend for like last second odd things to happen in games. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like you and I, uh, we talk about this, the NBA and college basketball, for whatever reason, they're almost like at odds with each other instead of they don't row in the same direction. Like they're almost like competitors against each other. So I use the nice Maya Angelou. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. Um, and that was literally the the Steve Forbes, uh, Steve Kerr, uh, you know, John Shire and uh, Steve Clifford, all four of those guys basically had the exact same Mr. Krabs moment where they were like, oh shit, something's going down. They, they were just just trying to have a nice sportsmanship handshake line and it all went sideways but uh we love to see that we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back and do some good call bad call and do some shout outs we'll be right back College basketball season is heating up, and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the action. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 bet wins. That's $150 extra bucks to bet anything from point spreads to money lines to who's going to win it all. We're going to have the uh, Degenerate Trifecta from Against All Odds come on the show. We're going to do some conference championship best bets uh, for the conference tournaments in a couple of weeks, so that's going to be fun. We're going to have the the full DGN Trifecta. Also, Cousin Sal is going to be helping us out, so if you are a fan of putting in some future for FanDuel. We got you covered here at OSP. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join than now. The app is easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash OSP and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 or older and president select states. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinker.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now how about going to visit a 7-eleven valid through 1725 7-eleven has the right to end this promotion early plus tax participating u.s stores see app for full terms all rights reserved this episode is brought to you by thomas's thomas's presents technique with tom slicing an english muffin with a butter blade boulder dash just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor for each one is unique like a snowflake Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. 
Welcome back. We are here. Going to do some good call, bad call. There were a lot of calls made this weekend, and one of them on college game day stuck out to me. I talked about Jay Williams at the end of my last episode, and I said that you know I give Jay the benefit of the doubt because I don't think he believes even what he's saying half the time. And yet again, he does it. He is in Stores, Connecticut. They call themselves the college basketball capital of the world. What do we know about college basketball fans? They love the NCAA tournament. They don't want it to change. They don't even like the first four. They don't even acknowledge the first four. They think it's still 64 teams. Jay Williams in front of this crowd, in front of these people, first time in 10 years game day has been in Stores, Connecticut. He says they should extend and expand the NCAA tournament. Um, And this crowd is immediately uh, up in arms about it. They're saying, Jay Williams, why would you say this in front of anybody? Why would you say this in front of us? Maybe you say that in front of like Oklahoma fans or someone that's like, yeah, we're usually right there on the cusp, but let us in, you know? Anyways, he says this, Jay Billis in the moment responds, it's Jay versus Jay, it's a Jay off. Jay Billis says, never underestimate the NCAA's capacity to do something stupid. All you have to do is win your conference automatic bid, which is against your peers with a group of teams you have chosen to be among. The one thing that everybody's forgetting is that it's not an access tournament. It's a national championship event. You think you have to do something hard to get in. If you think it's too hard, D2 is wide open. Um, So it is Jay versus Jay. This is like Austin Rivers, uh, you know, redux with J.J. Reddick. Duke is at each other's necks right now in the media. And uh, we have another example. So what say you, Jay Cow Man? Uh, you are another Jay that can step into this conversation. You are a third Jay. You are the the arbitrator here. Expand or not expand? Are you Jay Williams or Jay Billis? I like it the way it is, but I kind of I had to kind of go through line by line and sort of measure why I feel that way. Because it is true, like Greenberg makes the point about, you know, oh, well, they expanded to 32. They expanded to 64, blah, blah, blah. I think there's some important context to sort of consider there is that like basketball, if you go back, um, it went to 16 teams in 1951 and went to 32 teams in 1975 and it went to 64 in 1985. I think the key thing to chart there, though, is the popularity of the game. If you imagine sort of a line graph and there's exposure and popularity, I, I think the game really, really exploded Uh, in the 50s and 60s in popularity because of the TV visibility. So like Mm. in like nine in 1950, I looked this up, only nine percent of households had a TV. And then a decade later in 1960, that was up to 90 percent. So and, you know, they were covering the NCAA tournament like there were like 90 games, I think, at one point like this in uh, like 1971. Um my point that I'm making is the spike that we saw in popularity that I think, and also there was a little thing called integration that kind of went on during that right. time where the pool of players <laughs> expanded rightfully justifiably. So during that time, um, I just think in terms of like the, we we're at sort of a cruising altitude. Now the talent is higher than ever, but like, I just think that we're, we're not going to, I don't think that we're seeing a sort of popularity spike and we're not going to see one that was as dramatic as what we saw during those times when we saw major expansion. And you hit on it that like the first four, it nobody cares. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, it feels most, like its own separate tournament. Right. Yeah. And I, when I was at Moorhead, we were putting the first four and everybody was pissed. It's just like it's <laughs> sort of a pat on the head, you know. So I I don't know. I, I I'm I would I lean towards not being in favor of it. I tried to hear sort of I, I agree with the point that Jay made that I like the best was where he said, you know, if you don't like it, that we already technically have sort of an uh an informal expansion of the tournament, which is win your conference tournament. If you want the turn, if you want to have a chance, if you want more teams like that in, I don't want a watered down field of high major teams in there 
that maybe didn't have the season that they wanted or they're not as good or put together as a mid-major team. I don't want those teams in there, you know? I right. don't, I, it, like, I don't want like a, a 500 conference record team in there when I could have like a, a mid-major team that's really well put together with a great conference record. So I lean towards not expanding it because I, I like the, the moment of like earning your way in. I love those things. Yeah, don't dilute the regular season. Don't dilute the tournament. And also make the the conference tournament still matter because you have a golden ticket opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, this is what it comes down to. And this is the reason why, like, a St. Peter's goes and wins their tournament. And then they get into the dance and they make some noise. They get to the Elite Eight. I mean, that is an awesome story. Why Why would we want to take away those stories? Why would we want to dilute the tournament? Why would we want to hurt um, the the pool of interest that is already built in and the the trust that we have with the college basketball fan. It doesn't make any sense. I know that it's about money. We understand that everything's about money. Duh, we get it. But uh, bad call, Jay Williams. Uh, but good call by Jay Billis. Uh, next up, Gus Johnson cheered on Tristan Newton's triple double. Uh, Villanova fans were coming out. They said, uh, you know, there was a, there was a quote: "Opening cheering as an announcer is quite odd." Um, there were some people that are upset at Gus about this. The game was already in hand. Tristan Newton, Mr. Triple-Double, gets another triple-double. Uh, good call or bad call for from your vantage point? Do do we care if the announcer is cheering on uh, an individual achievement during a broadcast? Like, are we offended if we see that, or we understand it's the moment itself? Uh, it didn't seem any more, like, amped up for uh, like it by Gus like standards. Gus. It felt right. like standard yeah. Gus to me. I will note, though, that around the 240 mark in the second half, I wrote this down, Gus mentions on air that there are he the sports books that have lines for for Tristan Newton to get a triple <laughs> double. So I thought that was kind of amusing that like if you yeah. wanted to say his excitement, I don't know, it kind of makes you wonder. You're a thinking bit it might be Musburger, like uh, like yeah. a little bit like Raheem. He maybe had some heavy handed action on a triple double, and then he was more <laughs> celebrating his own personal wins. Yeah, that yeah. that that would check out to me. And I'd, also, like we, what do we love Gus for? His excitement. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, why are we mad about him being excited? I don't get yeah. it. Don't, uh, don't, you know, don't, don't tell the wolf not to, to, to be, whatever. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> I, but my thing is if I were Nova fans, I'd be annoyed that it was a 19 point lead with a minute left and UConn had all their starters out there, which, uh, might be a major FU from Hurley to Neptune. I don't know. The other thing I wanted to ask you all about is how do we feel about sweater under sport coat? Neptune had a really mm. interesting look going. He had a, you know, I, wh- wh- how do we mocks. feel about that? Yeah. yeah, I what what did you? Have, I don't think it was a mock though, right? I think it was just a sweater, like uh, <laughs> under a sport coat. It had to be warm. I don't know what the temperature is up there in stores, but uh, I don't know. Do you like that look? It might be a Connecticut look. It might be a New England look. I I don't I don't understand. I don't know the look, but uh, I feel like personally because of my own Kyle Neptune's back and forth uh, from our draft coverage, I just have to. Con- I always try to keep it positive because I do like Kyle Neptune and he's been nice to me. So I like <laughs> the look, Kyle. Uh, I, w- I would like for him to to win this game. But you mentioned UConn keeping in their starters after the game. Tristan Newton said a couple years ago they were really running the Big East, talking about Villanova, and they were doing a lot of talking. And even today, they were out there talking. So, I mean, how much did we win by? 24? I think that says it all. So, uh, Tristan Newton and Dan Hurley, like, they kind of view, like, they have the iron throne of the Big East right now, and they feel like they knocked off the Baratheons of Villanova. And they're like, we're not letting go of the iron throne, and it is ours. And every time we play you, we send a message. We have college game day here. Like, we're we're letting you know this is where the court is, is being held now. It is in stores, Connecticut. So, I felt like every time that they play Villanova, but there's like an extra layer of like uh, just disgust from Dan Hurley and the rest of the UConn staff. So um, Tristan he said it, get us that. while we're down. He said it point, yeah. point blank. So 
He's he's just kind of this is all reparations, re, re, retribution on Hurley style. And yeah, I love right. I love UConn. Like we praise them so. If you, their fans are tweeting the clips of us talking, and UConn promptly turns around and loses to Creighton, I just want to say thank <laughs> you for that, UConn. But they bounced back. This was a this was a good win. I went on Lombardi's show. Uh, shout out to Lombardi, Michael Lombardi, the the Lombardi line, and uh, Stormy, his co-host, was asking me like, what team like you have to believe in? And I was like, UConn. And I swear to God, four hours later, they're getting beat by Creighton by fifteen. And uh, Lombardi's like, I thought you said UConn was great. I was like, bad matchup. Uh, <laughs> bad matchup. <laughs> Steve, yeah. Stephen Ashworth shooting out of his ass. I don't know anything I can say there. Uh, talking about Villanova, let's talk about Jay Wright, their former coach. Uh, he was asked by the Columbus Dispatch uh, if he would be interested interested in the Ohio State job. Jay Wright said he is done coaching. Is that a good call or a bad call for Jay Wright? Should he be done coaching? I don't I don't see why he would go back to coach. I, I, mm-hmm. I, we've talked about this, the shift that's happened in college basketball. A, he's got a great life. He can be around the game and sort of be in the same circles. It's not like he's sitting at home trying to get back in it and he's getting the bug or something. Game's changed a lot since, since he left. So, um, I, I I think he's in a great spot. You know, if you want to come back and deal with the NIL stuff, it seems like he's really still heavily involved with the. He's still the godfather of the. Of he's become. He sort of moved into the role Raleigh had, right? Where I feel like yeah. he's sort of the. He's sort of the the sort of uh, pa- patriarch of the Villanova family now. So why not? I I wouldn't go back if I were him. I think that's a good call on his part. He's kind of like the czar of Villanova basketball. It's like everything yeah. runs through Jay. Like everyone's got to check with Jay to see if it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel like if you go back into the weeds and like kind of cut ties with Villanova, you lose a lot more than you would gain. And the expectation would be, Jay Wright, you come to UCLA, you better win championships. You come to Ohio State or Michigan or whatever it is, you better win championships. So, like, why would you put yourself back through that, especially in a new landscape you don't really like as much? So, Jay Wright, do what you're doing. Stay at CBS. Uh, next one, Jim Beheim Day. 25,194 fans came out for Jim Beheim Day, February 24th um, at Syracuse. Uh, Mike Tirico was there. It was a, it was a full-on Syracuse basketball, Big J kind of day. Um, largest on-campus crowd in college basketball to have Jim Beheim Day on this Saturday. Good call, bad call. Did you think it was the right day to do it? I think anytime you're honoring your your guy is like, uh, well, they did they end up? Yeah, they won that game. They almost blew they won. Lead. Yeah. yeah, they won. <laughs> no, had they had to win. Home. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. You it was, win it. It was a, yeah, it was like a homecoming type game where you're like, you have to win this game. Yeah, for sure. No, I liked it. I, I enjoyed watching some of the reminiscing about, I mean, you go back through their history. It is really crazy how much talent, how many years he had. Um, uh, I was laughing. He kind of, Bayham's always had this kind of Larry David vibe to me, whatever. I was, even when they were showing the clips of him after he won the title in 03, you could see his like look on his face where he was, I don't, he makes, he makes me think he's one of those people who maybe doesn't really ever enjoy anything. Yes. You know, that's kind of the Bayheim vibe I get. But absolutely, I enjoy. I enjoyed watching the John Wallace clips and the the Hakeem Warwick block and all that stuff. It was it was nice. I'm I'm glad they got a win. It was nice nostalgia. I was happy for Red Autry he got the win there. And then uh, Jim Beheim got mistaken for Bernie Sanders uh, the day before. So um, he, I think he was very happy to go back out of the South, back to Syracuse, New York, and have the people uh, treat him like the legend and king that he is in those streets. So good for Beheim. A uh, couple more good call, bad calls. Ohio State should hire Jake Diebler. He's 2-1, and one, just one at Michigan State. Big road win. Um, very emotional win. He had a great moment where he was like trying to get his guys to stop celebrating on the court and trying to be like, like a, a good guy to, to Tom Izzo, but a uh, good call, bad call. Ohio State should just keep Diebler in-house and hire him. 
It's dangerous. You know, it's we're a dangerous talking about call. this. Yeah, it's I like that. just a perilous thing to do. I, I would lean no just because whenever you're, you know, the, I, w- I was telling, joking with you, I was like, this kind of feels like the, the cat is away and the mice are playing situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is like a little boost that you get whenever, the, whenever, you know, the substitute is there, the energy level comes up, maybe they're feeling good. But I also don't, you know, from the people I talked to about the Ohio State program, they weren't super mad about the Holtman thing. It feels like more just sort of uh, the coaching fraternity was was annoyed by the way that went down, which I don't blame them for protecting their own. But um, I would lean no just to on the to be on the safe side. But it's hard to you know these are good wins. But I, and there are people though that think that Ohio State is better than their record anyway. That they're kind of in the Wake Forest camp. Um, so, mm-hmm. but I would still lean no, honestly. Yeah, I like Bruce Thornton. I think he's a good player. I think Jake Diebler will get an opportunity. It might not be here. Um, last one, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez sitting courtside. He is a minority owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, and he was doing an interview and if you watch, I was watching this game live. So I think this is why it struck me. So, so, uh, you know, um, viscerally, he, he was very tan, Kyle, man. Uh, this is the tan man. And then after the fact in Twitter, obviously they were going crazy with this. They were saying he was the anti Sammy Sosa, all this sort of stuff. Um, and then afterwards, uh, A-Rod said um, he went on vacation and he fell asleep in the sun. Good call, bad call. A-Rod clarifying why he was so tan. Um, do you do you believe that it was him just laying out in the sun? Like, where did you see this live? I guess is the first the first question I have, because this was insane. Yeah, I did. It's not a problem I ever have because as a very, very <laughs> white guy, I'm always, you know, terrified of falling asleep. Yeah, right. I mean, it's period. a treacherous idea, right? Yeah, it's, a, you know, skin cancer runs in the family. Got to play it safe. Bald dome, all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, I don't know, I feel weird commenting on like what he looked like. He seems like he seems like a guy who has a nice sort of. Maybe, maybe is it a, a nice good call? On the, is it a good call on the excuse? Like, does the excuse <laughs> does it add up? Because I, 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 when I first saw it, I was like, good play. I was like, good move, uh, Alex. Good call. I don't know. Is he somebody that needs a lot of help? He seemed like he's got a nice sort of com- like color to him as it is. Like, I don't right. think that he's like, it depends on what he wants, Tate. I yeah. can't get inside the mind of Alex Rodriguez. He's done things and he has a history of, of us w- trying to wonder what he's thinking. So uh, he, he, he's also always tried to be liked and to fit in wherever he is, much to his own chagrin. Like the reason that I always felt bad for A-Rod, and I think he's kind of like a tragic hero in some sense is because like he really does I think have good intentions like he wants to be liked he wants to do the right thing like he was so jealous of Derek Jeter kind of being like uh, revered as someone who always does the right thing like that's what he wants to be but somehow because of that like it's like Russell Wilson has this a little bit too it's like their desire to always be perfect and and right has like led them down these paths where you're just like come on man like this can't be real like something because you're falling for everything (laughs) exactly exactly yeah yeah. So I feel like I just feel like this just this went a lot of, of ways that uh, he did not expect it to go. And, uh, you know, shout out to A-Rod. I would I'm if I had a guess, him. if I had a guess, I think his girlfriend convinced him to go to a tanning salon before a wedding or something. And he yeah, pushed, it went he picked the wrong number in the automated shower or something. This I don't know what the hell happened. Better. Yeah. I think it's like it's, it's probably a disaster. He knows it's a disaster. And he's like, there's no way to get this thing off right now. 
because uh, usually if you see this color, it's usually on old people. You know, it's usually yeah, on yeah. old. It's a very Florida you know, thing. Back to back cruises yeah. type thing. Yeah, it's usually on old people if it's natural. I mean, usually it's on like some some leathery people, not not on people like Alex. It, there was so. a leathery vibe. Yeah. I don't know from the picture I saw. I little, feel like Anthony Edwards is the only man who could like talk to A-Rod about it and have like a, a good exchange. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel Especially because like he doesn't know who he is, right? So that'd be good. It would, yeah, the pressure they could work off. it out. Like, like, I think Ant-Man could come there like and genuinely be like, what happened, man? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and A-Rod's like, he doesn't know my history. He's got no yeah. bias towards me. That's right. Great. Right, right. It's like the one guy who can get away with it. So uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, sure, they have a great text thread, those two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you figure it out. Uh, there you go. We did a good call, bad call. Let's do some shout outs. Uh, first one for me. This was a, a big revelation over the weekend. A lot of people felt this way. The quote, this is the same sport um, in regards to UNC Virginia and Kentucky playing Alabama at the same time. A lot of people um, decided to, to have that refrain, um, which is... I think a good thing for college basketball, styles make fights. And uh, I like that we have so many different styles in college basketball. It is not, uh, you know, the same thing over and over again. So Carolina, Virginia, definitely a style. Um, it's hard to watch, not aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know, Kentucky, Alabama, probably the opposite of that, the antithesis, a fun game to watch, a lot of offense. So uh, this is the same sport. Big weekend for that crowd. Uh, Houston Baylor, 69-69 at the end of regulation. Um, love that. Race of 69 yeah. showdown. Houston wins um, in overtime. Also, if you watch this game, the Baylor camera angle is just perplexing. I, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Kyle, man, but Baylor... Uh, the, the, I don't know. The building, I guess, is great, but the camera angle is strange. So uh, shout out to Baylor and Houston for a great basketball game. Houston getting love is the number one team in the country, but um, I, I am confused by the Baylor camera angle. Um, shout out to Matt Painter. He told John Rothstein that Zach Eady's final season at Purdue will be this year. He will not use his COVID year in 2024-2025. So Kyle man, good news for you. Zach Eady's <laughs> coming to the NBA. How excited are you? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm not terribly worried about like watching him a lot. Um, he's about to take over the game, dude. He's about to dominate. Well, he is Yao Ming, as a lot of people have. It's so much, so much Yao Ming. It's a, can we can just, we quickly? Rothstein was the man who was given this news. Rothstein he's not the is, only one, There's but he's beating the drum. He's like, yeah. he's like, I got a take for you guys. I got a shades of comp, and it is Yao Ming. Um, that seems almost. A, a little bit of a shot at Yao Ming, right? Because Yao mm. Ming had great touch. He, he was a great shooter. He had a nice form, right? Like, are we forgetting that Yao Ming had this part of his game? Ming or, was very dynamic. Like, right. He, he could do it all, man. He could face up and shoot it. He had incredible touch. I, I, I just feel, I'm not trying, I'm. it's less me trying to like downplay Edie as I am just trying to protect the Ming, the Ming dynasty here. Like, he, yeah, you know, he had bad luck, obviously, with the with the injuries. But man, he he had a really really dynamic game. He was super super skilled. So yeah, uh, Shaq I, I want was people to remember that. Shot. Yeah. yeah, like Shaq was like, I need to shoot better because Yao shoots better. You know what I mean? Like it was like not to say that Zach Heaney's a a terrible free throw shooter or whatever, but it's definitely levels to the touch and you know just the way that they play. Like there was almost a smoothness to Yao's game. I think that there is a rigidness to Edie's game, which I think goes back to the aesthetics of it all. And that's why people get up in arms about him being back-to-back -back player of the year and being compared with Ralph Sampson. Because if you watch Ralph Sampson highlights, 
it, <laughs> it does not go one-to-one. And that's not to take away from Zach Eady. They're very different players. But the Yao Ming comp is, uh, is, is a fascinating one. Um, Shout-out to Stefan Castle, another guy that's going to be in the NBA. His ninth Big East freshman of the week. That ties him with AI, Allen Iverson. He is one away from tying Carmelo Anthony. So uh, I feel like that's been under the radar, Stefan Castle. I mean, we've talked about him a little bit, but he is uh, on his way to breaking uh, a Big East freshman of the week record there. So shout-out to Stefan Castle. Crazy. You have him high, right? We have him in the lottery. Is that true? Is that is that where we have yeah. Stephon Castle? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have like an official board, but like, uh, I, where, where does Kevin have Castle? It's high. I mean, I but, think he has uh, him like nine or ten or something, yeah. right? Somewhere in that range. So that's crazy because Kyle called him like disposable income last week for UConn, which is crazy when you put it in perspective. No, I said passive income. Passive income. <laughs> What's the difference? Passive income. No, yeah, I'm right. just saying that. Which now you got a nice little property. You're written it out. He's what gets you, know you know rich. What I mean? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he's, yeah. they, they have a good team as it is. But yeah. if he decides to be a superstar, it's just like, all right, well, now we're wealthy. We were yeah. rich. Now we're Ca- wealthy. <laughs> Castle's in syndication for UConn right now, so shout yeah. out to him. Uh, we love to see that. Shout out to Cam Jones, my guy, one of my favorite players in college basketball, Marquette's finest. Scored 34 points in back-to-back games. Uh, also scored 34 on his birthday. So shout out to him. We love to see that. Uh, oh, I forgot one UConn note. Rip, Rip Hamilton hit a half-court shot on game day. Uh, I like forgot it was to, nothing. First like try. It was, yeah, and then he said to the crowd multiple times, is this what we do? Um, I thought <laughs> it was like a, it was like a nice, just like kind of like goes back to like sending a message to the rest of the Big East, you know, it's like we are UConn. I got um, chills. It was yeah. it was something. That was my guy growing up. I loved Rip Hamilton, man. Wanted, He's to, the wanted best. to play like him. Because I well, couldn't jump, but I could run off screens and shoot it. So I loved Ripper Hamilton. Well, I, that's also what I love about Steph. Like, Steph has brought up multiple times that, like, Rip Hamilton running around screens and getting open was, like, so pivotal. And, like, J.J. Redick, obviously, too, was one of those guys. But, like, Rip was the one that he pointed to. And I think a lot of people uh, forget that about Rip. He's the man. So love to see that. Uh, Penny Hardaway, another guy who's the man. He beat FAU. Um, and then he quoted, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess his own like kind of message book that he had of quotes. <laughs> he said, uh, we don't get mad. We get even. Um, so Penny Hardaway is getting even with all the, every time the yeah, haters they're, come they're out even Penny. now, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're even, he's making it happen. Um, speaking of coaches that are making it happen, Jawan Howard, let's do a Jawan Howard update. Uh, Purdue is playing at Michigan and they basically took over. Um, and, and it sounded like a Purdue game and Jawan Howard even noted the fact that it sounded like a Purdue game. What is the panic button meter on Jawan Howard right now? Kyle, man, do we think it's like the end is near? Like I've never seen Michigan. We're five years away from a national championship appearance and it feels like we're eons away from it. Yeah. It's, it's been a weird year though, right? With the health issues and stuff. And like, I don't know, they're resetting, but if you go back to last year, you and I talked about it a lot. They had a lot of talent. It was sort of weird and turbulent. Do you think he needs one kind of palate cleanse year before we say like, because it's been, I don't know, he lost a lot of his, his talent, transferred out, went to the draft, his son left. Yeah. Jace hasn't been playing as well as Jet did. I, I just feel like he probably deserves one more palate cleanse year. I feel like the alumni is going to be behind him. I don't think that they're going to make a move really to you or is he going to, I don't, and I don't think that he's going to choose. Juwan's a pretty, you know, he's got a lot of pride, rightfully so. I don't, yeah. I don't see him stepping away after just kind of the sort of, 
I feel like they need one more before they make a decision like that. What do you think? I feel like the best thing that happened to Jawan Howard was Michigan football winning totally. the national championship. 100%. You know what I mean? Like it, it just basically got eyeballs off of him, so no one really cares. So I think he bought himself a year, maybe even two years, while they like just enjoy. Dudes the are on a high. Yeah. yeah, they're just on a high, and they're a football school officially stamped. So that's where they weird, are. Weird sports time in Michigan, though. You got the Lions, yeah. and you got Michigan, and then you got the Pistons and Michigan basketball <laughs> sucking. It's the football kind of state. A, yeah, yeah, the football is being a nice distraction for them. But they said we had to sacrifice somebody. And it turns out it was the Pistons at Michigan basketball. So uh, pour one out for John Beeline. Uh, Isaiah Collier, shout out to him, USC's finest. He was signing autographs for UCLA fans after USC's <laughs> win at Poly Pavilion. Um, did you see this? And what are your thoughts? Like, is, is it okay if you're a UCLA fan to be like, this guy's going to be in the NBA, might as well get his autograph? Like, I, <laughs> I, I felt like it was a very LA picture and a very LA moment where they're like, oh, you won. I like you now. Yeah, considering where it is, you know, and it's L.A., like you said, I don't think it's that odd. Um, I'm trying to think the only, uh, only other time I've seen that happen. Marshall Henderson signed a lot of autographs. I remember it rubbed, yeah. but he was such a novelty. Um, I can't, if a player's good enough, I think it, it transcends to a level where it's okay. It's sort of a game-recognized, game-respect type yeah. thing. Greg, but, I don't Odin, know. They're not bitter, bitter, bitter rivals, right? Like people are pretty chill there. I'm not saying that everyone's I, pretty know, chill. <laughs> Want to beat yeah. each other. So considering the context, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's whatever. I remember Greg Oden didn't play against Carolina. And he had people getting his autograph, but it was also because he didn't play. So it was like people were just like, oh, there's the number one pick sitting on the bench over there. Like, let's try to get his autograph. Mm, so I did yeah, you uh, the did you guys see adds into that? Mick Cronin said he will he wouldn't talk to his family that night when he went home. <laughs> Patino and Patino and Croner, man, <laughs> they need a podcast. Uh, yeah. get on that. Good for uh, him. He goes. He, uh, one reporter wondered if the loss would help motivate UCLA moving forward. Cronin says, "Here's what I disagree with. You would assume they're extremely <laughs> humble. Like I feel bad. My family. I'm not going to talk to anyone tonight. I'm going to hate myself. The job I did. Mm. The only person I'm talking tonight is my dog. Okay, and that's it. I have a root recruit in town, so somehow I have to rally tomorrow, Mick." Mick is crazy, uh, but but I'm <laughs> happy crazy. that he. I'm Good I'm glad crazy. that he's like invested and involved. Uh, it feels like he was like one foot out the door for part of the season. Seems like he's all the way in the house right now, and he is stomping his feet, and nobody is listening. And not talking and, to uh, his wife. <laughs> yeah, he's he's <laughs> his, so, something's going his down. Family's, his family's probably like good. Like they, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. The way. <laughs> yeah, they're like thank God. They're like let's let can't him wait till he builds house. his man cave in the backyard. We don't even have to yeah. hear him. <laughs> he's gonna do the Draymond. Remember Draymond? He was like I went to my guest house and didn't see my family for a week. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> like, what, what did you do? God. Yeah. Did you have children? Yeah, that's... Hey, you know, for the love of the game. Uh, Rick Barnes, shout out to <laughs> someone that loves the game. Rick Barnes, 800 wins. Love to see that. Cool. Um, congratulations to Rick Barnes. And it used to be like when you saw 800 wins, you were like, whoa, this is like Mount Rushmore coach. Now I, I feel like a lot of guys are, are kind of hitting that mark. I remember when Dean got to 800, it was a big thing. Um, shout out to Air Force. Greg Popovich's alma mater. They upset New Mexico at the pit. Uh, my guy, Bo Becker, 19 points, five guys in double digits. Air Force, not a great team, not a great year, um, <laughs> but they get a big upset at the pit. That's a big win. So, uh, you know, Greg Popovich, he's an NBA guy, college basketball guy. Let's make I've the connection. Him, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we love it. Uh, shout out to Old Dominion's Jeff Jones. Former coach for Virginia officially announced his retirement today. That guy's been coaching basketball for as long as my dad can even remember. I mean, I feel like Jeff Jones has been around the game. So it's uh, been a long time. So shout out to him for retiring. 
Uh, shout out to the Nebraska football team. They had a dunk contest at halftime. Uh, someone jumped over Matt Rule, um, which I have never seen a football team do a dunk contest at a, at a basketball a great game. Idea. But it, 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 it's an incredible <laughs> idea. And it also was a Nebraska. Everyone was saying that it was Matt Rule's way to be like, you guys are having fun in basketball, but we're still a football school. So I like <laughs> the subtle messaging there from Matt Rule. Uh, I'm not a Matt Rule guy after what he did to my Panthers, but I, uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, headline Hunter, Hunter Dickinson tweeted a picture of Nick Timberlake. It sounds like Kansas fans are, are now coming around and they like Nick Timberlake and headline Hunter is a big part of it. So shout out to him. And, uh, uh, one last thing, shout out to, uh, Mississippi Valley state, the Delta devils. They only have four games left to win a game this season. So, uh, if you're keeping up with, uh, MBSU, I'm finally going to tune in. I'm ready to tune in four they games. Gotta, I can handle. We got to be tracking this. Closely. I can handle yeah, that. The, the yeah. fighting Jerry Rice is they got to get one. We got to get it. You got to get one. And uh, the Delta Devils, uh, great mascot, great nickname, great everything. So let's go get a win. Uh, Kyle, what are your headlines? You got some headlines for us. Uh, right? We kind of got through most of my headlines. I really just have two shout outs. I did want to, we didn't kind of get into the the uh, the huddle that happened during the court storming. I wanted to say, I was trying to figure out what it reminded me of. And I kind of landed on, like Kyle already said, Battle of the Bastards sort of before the uh, the Knights of the Vale roll in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I also think maybe the end, the last battle, Return of the King. Like, do you think uh, Shire was like for Frodo as as they ran? I just thought that was those guys were really huddled up and it looked like it almost looked like they were in like a mudslide or something. But I just <laughs> I just thought it was like shout out to all those guys. The drama, the drama yeah. just skyrocketed through the ceiling once once they all kind of <laughs> clamored around him and they made a really tight circle. So there was a bunch of managers in there. And I think those guys just need a shout out because I, I don't forgot to shout out the Duke managers. That's a great point. The Duke managers are really the ones like they went to war for, for Filipowski. Like they were bulldozing people. <laughs> they created, their like, faces. Uh, you saw their like faces. A, they were so concerned. Oh my God. They created they, like a hoplite shell with clipboards <laughs> yes. around him. And they were yes. kind of like slowly coming out. Forward. Together. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I like to think that like Chris Carwell, like before the end of the game, like he had the Bane moment where he looked at Filipowski and he's like, they expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. You know what I mean? Where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like they yeah, knew what he yeah. had to do. Like he had to take a spill. Okay, um, was like, so. Carwell can go. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, one of, one of us has to fall. <laughs> uh, shout shout out to made that guys. call from a distance. Yeah, yeah so that's good. Uh, shout out that to all those guys. Yeah, I, got, to, I, I did want to give a little Johnny's thing just real quick. Um, I... <laughs> Chris Ledlam nice. played out of his mind. I don't know if That's you guys right. saw the stats weren't great, but I, I don't. Did you see that one block? Kyle was searching for the stream. I know that he had this one block on. Oh, Cockbrenner. I got it. This he's like. I mean, what? Cockbrenner seven foot seven one. Yeah, uh, seven one. This guy's like six eight, six nine, and he really got up there. He had a couple great blocks. Danis Jenkins career high twenty seven points. I don't know if you said that. Uh, and Jordan Dingle had to tingle. The mid range was going. Still can't mm-hmm. hit a three. Still taking him. But I thought that was great. My and the, the little tidbit is my wife loves any team with a bird in the mascot. Okay. And so naturally now her last name is Creighton. So, you know, Creighton, she's against me in almost everything sports yeah. wise. I don't know why I didn't didn't know that was going to be a part of the deal when we got hitched. But uh, so we were she was like, so and she's like, she told me she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm super into basketball out of out of sports. Like she doesn't know any of the teams, but she's like, I'll yeah, watch yeah. it. She's actively cheering against me. But uh, so that was that was just a great watch. I wanted to wanted to I shout like, out. The I like Cal Creighton. Yeah, Cal Creighton is. The yeah, best. I didn't like, even think about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that works. It, that's better than just a total apathy. My my wife like right. doesn't even look up unless it's like the half. It's like it's ne- it, without fail. I'll be watching a game. The action's going. Looking down at her Kindle. 
halftime show, any kind of a break, looks up glued to it. So you can kind of see why they do that for the non-sports fans. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it would be at least a little more interesting. Maybe I should try to like convince her to, to root against me. That would be that would be a more, you know, that spice it up, right? You know, maybe a little spice. I was into it until I was like, wait, when is the death march going to start? As you know, the second half death march is always around the corner. But so then I was like, all right, I need you to stop now. Which um, we're not allowed to bet on, we found out, right? Yeah, yes, that's true. too much money they, to be made. They took it off the board <laughs> because Fandle. they know who Rick Patino is. First half, Rick Patino. You guys. When, you guys. But hey, this time it wouldn't have worked. So Rick Patino finally got it done, a full game. Yeah. And uh, like I said to you guys, uh, St. John's has won the first half of every game in February. That is the most God, ridiculous God, stat right. that there is. And they played UConn and all these other teams. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, some games to watch, Kyle. I have those for you. Auburn, Tennessee is a game you need to watch. Tennessee, Alabama. They play both those teams this week. So going to be a fun week for those games. Uh, Dayton, Loyola, Chicago. Sister Jean is back in the mix. Uh, in case you missed it, Seth Davis is trying to push Loyola, Chicago as an at-large bid at this point. I mean, there is a lot of Rambler love out there. So they play Dayton. That's a game to watch. Kansas at Baylor. Going to be a great game to watch. Marquette at Creighton will be a fun game to watch. Virginia at Duke will be a big game. Um, New Mexico, Boise State, and Nevada, Colorado State. So uh, there we go. Um, we got some uh, We got some good games coming up this weekend. Uh, Kyle, man, anything else before we get out of here today? Man, we hit it all. I'm feeling good. I think we I'm need to do do another round of uh, man's men here soon. I'm gonna try to some pick man's some. Man. I'm gonna try to pick some. So we'll. I'll try to think about that. But uh, mm. yeah, one step at a time, Kentucky fans. Don't get mad at me. So that's what I I'd like. Say. I like Bronny James as one of man's men. Um, I saw the other day that well, he was averaging more points here. than Jimmy Butler as a freshman, and uh, <laughs> you know Jimmy Butler has gone to the finals a few times. So don't count out Bronny. He's, he's basically Yao Ming. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's giving me Yao Ming vibes, just the way he carries himself. Uh, Bronny James, Yao Ming. Maybe we he's should serve, put out like hilarious Yao. comps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very Yao of him. <laughs> um, love to see it. Uh, this has been One Shining Podcast. Pre- appreciate everybody tuning in. We will be back on Friday, and we will talk to you then. Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.